my name is Hayden Raymer. Welcome back to another episode of In the Clubhouse uh, with the NASA Report. And uh, I'm joined, as always, by my lovely friend and co-host, Jeremy Lapidus. Thank you, Jeremy, for uh, joining me today. Uh, looking forward to talking to, about baseball with you. Uh, how, have you how have you been, man? Been good. We're wrapping up the semester here. Uh, you know how it is. Uh, but yeah, no, I've been... I'm good. I'm excited. The Nats made a couple moves in these in the last week that uh, I'm excited to get your thoughts on. So, yeah, let's uh, get into it. Where, where do you want to start with these moves, Jeremy? Do you want to you want to start with the the infield shakeup or uh, the Nats? Yeah, let's start there reliever? because uh, I know I missed the last show, mm-hmm. um, and that's my fault. But uh, the last show that we talked about. That we that we that that I was on, we talked a little bit about the gaping hole at third base, mm-hmm. uh, and they went and they fixed that a little bit with uh with a guy like Nick Senzel. And I know Hayden, you aren't the biggest fan of him in the world, yeah. But I mean, he fills that hole nicely. You look at his defensive numbers at third base; he's positive in almost all of those stats. Uh, got it's not like overwhelmingly positive. It's pretty neutral, but it's like, you know, it's not a negative on defense. I mean, it and is. It isn't. It, it isn't is. though. Like if, if you look, is. if you look at his defense overall, yeah. But if you look at his third base numbers, it's it's not, it's not that bad. Uh, he's he's got actually like five. The best defender at center field. What are you talking about? I was literally just looking at the numbers. He's not the best defender at center, in center field. That's like one of his. What what metric are you going off of? I was going off of uh defensive runs, uh, defensive runs saved or fielding above average. That's fielding above average. Fielding runs above average, and then defensive runs saved above average. Both of those, is best are in the third base. Okay. I mean, I I don't. Those aren't stats I don't I necessarily don't look at. Uh, I look at outs above average uh, by Stackast, uh, and he's negative one in his tiny sample size. I, he's unproven at third base in the majors. I think we can just say that. I think we can both agree on that, considering he only has 398 career innings at third base <laughs> uh, in the majors. Uh, this was his natural position uh, as a pro. Uh, and a little bit in college, and he he was just a utility guy for the Reds, and now he's kind of the starting third baseman for the Nats. So, yeah, I don't know. I I think it solves an issue. Okay. Like that's a better solution than Vargas, Alou, Kibun, whatever you were gonna do there. Uh. So I, I I like the move. Like there aren't there aren't a lot of great third basemen out there. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, I'm I, I'm a fan. I like it. Yeah, I mean I would have preferred somebody like Gio Rochella. Uh but you know, this is the world we live in now. Uh I think he's honestly just the dream role that I envision Carter Keeboom. Okay? Uh, in the fact that he can play multiple positions, has a positional versatility, uh, 
and this guy mashes lefties. He's done that throughout his entire career. He's done it better than Carter Kibum. He hits righties better than Carter Kibum, but that's like saying, you know, I'm a better swimmer than a rock. You know, like that's not really saying a whole lot, you know, like it's just, it's not, it's not saying a lot. Uh, I, I think it's fine. Uh, I wasn't. I, I'm glad the Nats missed out on the Heimer. Not hear you. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know what happened there. My headphones just oh, you're turned back off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you started to turn into a duck and then you disappeared. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they didn't <laughs> sign Heimer Candelario, uh, but I, you know, like this doesn't excite me. At all. Is no, it's not an exciting move. Like, I agree. It's not one of those moves that you're like, oh my god, this is going to be season-changing, whatever, franchise-changing, anything super exciting, but it's a, it's, a, it's a need. You know, it's probably was their biggest need. And, I mean, you got, you got Senzel on cheap deal. He has another uh, year of team control after this one. Yeah, it's it's not it's not like you're locked in with him, you know? He can he can be there one or two years and it's not it's, you're not like you're sinking that much into it, you know? You have outs. So, I don't know. I think it's a safe move is what it is. And at this point in the Nats, they don't need to be making these splashy moves to go get uh these top-tier top-tier guys, you know? As much as I think we believe the Nats are going to be decent this year, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know if any of the prospects are going to develop to a major league level. You know, as as much as as much as we keep saying, "Oh, they're going Dylan Cruz." Uh, uh, oh my God, I totally just blanked on James his name. Wood. Hold on, ja- thank you, James Wood. Uh, are are going to be good major leaguers right uh, at least some point in this season. You never know, right? And yeah. at least getting a guy like Senzel at third base is going to plug a hole that, regardless of how they turn out, your team's going to be better this year. Yes, I agree. Uh, what is your dream outcome, I guess, for Nick Senzel? My dream outcome for him is that he replaces Vargas on the roster. I like the way you're thinking. Uh, I, I because, agree. Yeah. Because, like, Vargas is, what, 10 years older than Senzel? Something like that? Maybe I, not that no, much, but he's... Not that old. He's four years younger. Really? That's it? Anyway. Senzel's Senzel is a lot yeah. younger. Sen- Senzel is a lot younger. Uh, and as good as Vargas was last season, I'm not convinced that he can handle 100 and... 20 games you know um and Zell is just in my he, he's just like a younger Vargas that's what he is right now yeah um and if you have a guy like that he, like we've talked about Vargas on this show a bunch I love having a utility guy like Vargas that you can just plug and play anywhere on the infield really uh sometimes even in the outfield uh and then you know he can be decent at the plate 
you know, that's that's a guy that's so valuable to your team for getting those rest days that they need in a super long season like it is. Um, so, yeah, dream role for me. After this year, he replaces Vargas on the roster. Uh, and then the younger guys are in there and better. That's, that's dream situation. Yeah, I mean, I think with Senzel having that extra year of arbitration control uh, next season, or in 2025, I think this is that's kind of the golden, the silver lining, I guess, in this deal. Uh, where if Brady House isn't ready opening day next year, okay, we can roll Nick Senzel out opening day, uh, and then because I I think we have the makings of a really good bench, uh, right now, like a really good bench, uh, for the Nationals, <laughs> uh. Nassim Nunez, who the Nats grabbed in the Rule 5 draft, was one of the best defenders in the minor leagues last year. Having him there, you know, you have your defense up the middle. Nick Senzel, you have this nice guy who can crush lefties uh, off the bench and can kind of plug and play anywhere other than shortstop, which Nunez covers for you. Riley Adams and uh, Drew Milas are both really solid backup catchers. Uh, whoever you prefer there you're content with them as a backup catcher. Uh, and then, you know, like having like a Jacob Young as like your fourth outfielder, you know, that's like a really solid fourth outfielder. And it's like, okay, cool. The Nats have a really good bench. Now we just need the rest of the, now we just need a starting <laughs> lineup. Uh, but the bench is going to look really nice. Uh, no, I, I think that's a dream scenario where he performs enough where he's a valuable player for this year. Not necessarily someone that they did flip, but he's can contribute and is a decent big league regular. Uh, and then, you know, he moves to the bench, uh, you know, like a one war type season. I think it's like the dream. And I think that's well within the realm of possibility, honestly. I, mean, I think <laughs> if, if you're expecting him to have a breakout season – it could happen. He's going to play more games than he ever has in his career, but uh, you know, I feel like that's pretty much what you expect out of a guy like him. I mean, I think one war is surpassing expectations, Jeremy. Uh, the highest war or F war total he's put up is zero point six. That was in his rookie year in one hundred four games. Uh, Every other season, this is that was back in 2019. Every other season since then, he's put up a negative F4 total. Mm. So you're just kind of hoping that he's closer to that point six than the negative, uh, which uh, is fine. It's third base wasn't going to be a position of strength in 2024, uh, no matter what the outcome is, because we all knew they weren't getting Matt Chapman, and there's not really another third baseman in free agency. That you can <laughs> positively put down for, you know, two F four. Uh, but that's just this draft. They're not this draft class. This free agent class in general. It's just, it's very thin. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, especially at third base, and that was yeah. what we talked about. So just I mean, in the infield, really in general. I'm I'm happy with it. I really am. I I think it's it's a move that. It's not going to rock the boat, but I'm I'm happy they did it. Yeah, uh, I'm. We were talking about this before the show, right? Where they they just need a DH. Do you think they go get a DH now? That's like the other thing that no. they need. No. 
I don't. I think they're done. They're, they're done, done. Not getting a starting pitcher, not getting another reliever. They're just done for the offseason. Just about. Do you think that's a good thing, or do you think that's a bad thing? Uh, I don't know. Like I've said in the past, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind some more pop in that lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, do they really need another starting pitcher? It it depends on how you define it. Uh, I think, and I think most people would agree, next year makes more sense to go get an ace. Uh, we we saw Josiah take a step, Josiah Gray take a step forward this year. We saw Mackenzie Gore put together a full season at the major league level that was decent. Uh, you know, Jake Irvin was a surprise, and he was a good surprise. Uh, Rutledge, you know, made his debut. We're starting to see the pieces of the rebuild come up. Uh, but it, it doesn't necessarily make sense. It feels a little rushed adding a first, like another starting pitcher here. Uh, obviously, right. It would be nice. I mean, we've but... talked about we've talked about how cramped this roster is, like already. They've added two pieces. We've talked about they're going to have to make some tough decisions this season, next season when they start contending again. It just it doesn't really make sense to me for them to add another starting pitcher. And I know we've talked about it. I don't remember if it was on the show or not. Solutions. Uh, I mean, you went through the list. Door, Gray, Irvin, uh, Rutledge, and Cade Cavalli when he's healthy, yep. you know? Uh, and then you've also got uh, Juan Adone, who has shown in spots that he can be an MLB starter. Uh, and then Trevor Williams is still there, and so is Patrick Corbin. That is like, I forgot how many people I just said, but I think that's, that's like eight. seven. That's eight. That's too many starting pitchers. Yeah. You know? They don't need to go get another starting pitcher. They could they could improve. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. But it doesn't make sense. There's no doubt in my mind that they could go out and they could improve that starting lineup by getting a starting pitcher. Yeah. No doubt. But they don't need to do it this offseason. Like, there's other things. I think they're done. If they were gonna get something else, I'd like them to get another power bat because they are lacking in power so much. So much. Uh but yeah, that that's I I think they're done. I think they're done for the off season, as far as free agency goes. Yeah, I mean when you look at the lineup, it's you're kind of already set. You know, uh, C.J. Abrams is locked in. You know, we can in pen we can write C.J. Abrams at shortstop. We can write Lane Thomas in right field. We can write Kyber Ruiz uh, at catcher. Joy Manassas is in that lineup pretty much every day. I think guaranteed. Uh, I would be shocked if the Nats are like, or the Nats front office is like, yeah, no, Stone Garrett, sorry, man, like, you're not getting regular playing time after how good offensively he was this year. Uh, obviously, there's the argument that how sustainable is that, but I, I think you at least, he at least merits getting a further look. Uh, second base, or Senzel, is, we can write in pen now, he's playing third base, it's that's what he was told. I'm going off that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think you can write in pen 
one of Victor Luis Robles, Garcia Jacob should be Young, at second. At, at second, but they're, they're so, or not they, Dave Martinez is so out on Luis Garcia. Uh, and I think a lot of Nats fans are. Uh, I know you and I here, if maybe it's a very vocal minority, I don't know. Uh, but I do hear a lot of complaints about Luis Garcia and a lot of people saying we should trade Luis Garcia for something else. Uh, to me, that just doesn't make sense. I, you, I mean, you and I talk about him a lot on this show. I think we both agree. We think he's that one click away from, uh, oh, absolutely. from being like I a love me some solid second baseman in the majors. Uh, it, it's funny. I, uh, little tangent here. Uh, the Royals added a bunch of pitchers, uh, to the roster and I'm looking at the roster and I'm like. Their roster is just full of Luis Garcia's, where they're just every single player in that lineup is like one click away from being like a major leaguer. Uh, it's really funny if you want to go look at their roster. It's just like a bunch of people who underperform expected metrics. It's funny, uh, not funny, but I don't. Know. I I find baseball interesting. Uh, <laughs> I forgot I forgot where we were going with this, but I just there's not a whole lot of space. Especially when we're talking about Dylan Cruz and James Wood are supposed to be on this roster at some point in 2024. Yeah. Absolutely. It should be. And there just isn't a lot of space. Yeah. So. I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? Yeah. I, I think, if anything, what they should, the Nats should add is a left-handed relief pitcher. Yeah, you can always make that bullpen better. That's always yeah. going to be something that helps. And that's the only uh, place I see that makes sense for them to add. But yeah, I like I said, I think they're done. I think they're going to sit pat unless someone falls into their laps, you know? Uh, Yoshinobi Yamamoto. Washington National. Washington National. <laughs> All right, Jeremy. You want to talk about some Dylan Floro? I'd love to talk about some Dylan Floro. You want me to, we'll, we'll want me to introduce some Dylan Floro here? Dylan Floro, yeah, you, you uh, get, the Nats signed uh, a uh, one-year, $2.25 million contract uh, with some incentives to get it closer to 3 mil. Uh, former Miami Arlen uh, was with the Dodgers for a while. He's, he's kind of bounced around the league uh, for a guy with only six years of service time. Uh Debuted with the Rays, you know, had a season with the Cubs, Dodgers, Miami, uh, was with the Twins in Miami last year. And, you know, when you look at a guy with a 5.62 ERA and uh, 4.76, or no, sorry, 56.2 innings pitched with a 4.76 ERA, uh, got my numbers backwards there. Uh, not very exciting. Right, Jeremy? No. No. Nothing that jumps out at you. But when you look at, like, his under-the-hood numbers, uh, like his fielding independent pitching, uh, like his strikeout rate, like his ground ball rate, I I think, hot take here, I think Dylan Floro might be the best reliever on the Nationals uh, by an F4 standpoint in 2024. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I, I talked a lot of smack I'm about sorry. Dylan Floro after the signing. Uh, and I honestly, I wasn't familiar with his game. Uh, I looked into <laughs> his game a little bit more. 
I, I really like this signing a lot, actually. Uh, That's insane. Like, I understand the Nats' bullpen isn't all that, but, like, you still have guys in that back end. You know, you're getting you're getting Tanner Rainey back. You saw what he did when he was healthy in 2020. Mm-hmm. That guy was great. Uh, Jordan Weems, I love me some Jordan Weems. I know you love Jordan He's Weems. He's good. Uh, anyway, I didn't even mention Hunter Harvey and uh, Kyle Finnegan back there. Uh-huh. Those two. Kyle Finnegan, what he did at the end of last season when he went on his little stretch there. I mean, I understand that he's probably going to jump into that Weems role in, like, that seventh inning, you know? Uh-huh. But, like, he's not he's not going to lead that. He's not going to be the closer. He's not oh, going to lead that. Oh, I don't think he's going to be the closer either. But I, I think he's going to be gonna... the best reliever. The only other person who would be better is Hunter Harvey. Uh, but, I mean... Yeah, we talk about upside with uh, Rainey. Let's be honest, Rainey's never really, like, clicked. I mean, he, he's clicked for he spurts. Did. He, he, he did. He did he in did, 2020. He, he, was, he was... And then he got hurt. It, it wasn't like it, he stopped clicking. He got hurt. That's the thing. Like, yeah, but, he, like, he, the, was... he hasn't done it over in a sustainable... Like, Floro has... A, if You had Finnegan... Or not Finnegan. Rainey's numbers, right? But he was did like had the track record of Dylan Floro. Wait, no, sorry, I'm I'm trying to f- figure out what I'm trying to say here. If Tanner <laughs> Rainey had the track record of Dylan Floro, we'd be like talking about how we have like one of the best relievers in baseball. Like Floro is r- incredibly underrated. I mean. From a just... I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher. I just mm-hmm. think him leading the the entire bullpen in F four is crazy. Like I don't okay. think he's going to be okay. used in that role to be able to lead it in F four. Uh, well, I mean, he, he's going to get enough high leverage innings. I mean, it's the Nationals; they're going to have a lot of high leverage innings to <laughs> have pitchers go into. Uh, sorry, my cat is very much wants attention right now. Uh. I did some digging into the numbers, right? By F4, Dylan Flores have four seasons better than Kyle Finnegan's best season. Four. Four. Pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, and then last year, we look at his numbers, right? He, He had a career high strikeout rate. His walk rate and his home run rate were both lower than his career average. Uh, and the guy got people to ground out 50, or not ground out, hit the ball on the ground 54.4% of the time. Like, if the Nationals have good infield defense, this guy is going to be insane. I, I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I don't want what I'm going to say next to be taken out of context here, because I don't think he's going to be bad. I think Uh he's going to fit very nicely into the... Yeah, I don't high think he's going to be used in these high level. Like, I don't think he's going to take over the closer role. I think that's locked up and secured. But I, I think we're going to walk out of 2024 and be like, man, that was a really good contract and a really good signing. Uh, by Rizzo. I don't know. I, I'm just, I don't know. Eh. I'm not too moved by him. I think he'll be good. Don't get me wrong. I like the signing. He immediately moves to the top end of the bullpen, right? He moves to the top end there. But, eh. 
Yeah. I mean, it, he is like. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comparison here. I'm gonna make a comparison here. Doesn't throw as hard as him. Okay, so the comparison's a little off. Not even gonna okay. lie. Okay. I. I think he is what I dream Mason Thompson is. And you know what? That's fair. I agree. I think that's pretty pretty good. Um, but, you know, Mason Thompson wasn't leading the Nationals in F-War last season. You know? Yeah, he, he's what I dream Mason Thompson is. Like, he's this, like, ground-out machine who strikes out just enough guys to be above average and doesn't you know, allow a ton of home runs and doesn't walk the world. That's that's what you want out of a Mason Thompson. That is what you want out of a Mason Thompson. You're right. Uh, I don't know. I don't see exactly what you're seeing there, but I do think it's a good signing. I think it's another one of those kind of like Nick Senzel. The Nats aren't making big moves here, but these are moves that will help them this season. You know, they're not like flashy or anything, but they're 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 solid moves, you know? Yeah. No, they are. I, 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 Like I said, I think the only person that statistically is going to have a better season that has a chance is probably Hunter Harvey. Because, I mean, he's the best of all worlds where he strikes out a ton of people and he gets the ball on the ground and, you know, doesn't walk a ton of people. But Who is going to be the Nats closer this season, Hayden? Probably Finnegan again. Um, I I think right because yeah. I mean we we've we've just kind of thrown Tanner Tanner Rainey's name out there, mm-hmm. and he's a guy that you know can be a closer. He he was the closer in twenty twenty before he got hurt, and he was doing a a good job. Um, obviously he hasn't really been back out since he got hurt, but. Is that a position that you think is locked in on Finnegan, or do you think, mm-hmm. like last year, him and Hunter Harvey and maybe Tanner Rainey and you know, some other guys there will get a shot at that closer role? I I think, uh, I would I would like Hunter Harvey to get another go at being the closer. Uh, but I mean, when you look at his numbers, I don't know if it's like a mental thing or what. He is so much better in the eighth inning than he is in the ninth <laughs> inning. It is like it's like I might as well be out there in the ninth inning. Okay, not quite that bad, but like <laughs> it's not great. All right. Uh, and Tanner Rainey, I mean, he he only threw one inning in the majors last year. Like he's still gonna be working back from that injury from Tommy John. Uh. Here, here. Uh, we'll, we'll do this exercise. This is how I have the Nats bullpen mapped out of my head. You have Adon in there as a long relief guy who can get you multiple outs uh, like a clean, mm-hmm. after getting a clean inning. Uh, Jose Ferrer or Jose A. Ferrer is in there as like your secondary lefty guy. Uh, Robert Garcia is your primary lefty. Uh, and he is like your lefty fireman almost, because I think you need like those two of those firemen types where they're just there to uh, get outs when people are on bases and just strand runners. I think he would be good in that role. I think like that's the type of role mm-hmm. they started using him a little bit last season, and I thought he looked really good in that role. Uh, I think Floro's in that same role. 
Uh, I think that's probably his best role is as like that fireman type dude. Uh, Jordan Williams is in there. I think Jordan Williams is an acceptable sixth inning man. Maybe seventh inning man. I wouldn't really feel comfortable throwing him much later than that. Uh, I agree. In like the leverage index, obviously, if the eighth inning, you're, it's the bottom three hitters in the order. Like, yeah, throw Weems out there. Save Finnegan or Harvey for the top of the lineup. Uh, Rainey, I think, is in a similar boat uh, where you just use him as like that sixth or seventh inning man uh, to just get outs. Uh, and then I think Harvey and Finnegan are your two, like, you know, your eighth and ninth inning guys, your two closers almost. Uh, I think the best part about this floor signing is I, looking at this bullpen, I mean... has a lot of depth to it. I mean, adding... I'm, I'm going to look real quick. I don't have the in front of me. I want to see what the opening day... Opening because the we're we're just gonna take it out. I'm I'm gonna go off what you said here. Use those guys that you had in the bullpen. That is a really flexible bullpen. You know, that's that's a bullpen that you can really slot just about anyone, just about anywhere. You know, um, now obviously you're not gonna put Robert Garcia in the closer spot, but you know. Stuff like that. It's it's a very it's a very flexible bullpen, and it adds a lot of depth there. Like, there's not one guy in that bullpen that you just listed that I'm like, I don't ever want to see them on the baseball field. You know. Uh, do, do you want to go through the uh, Nats 2022 or Nats 2023 opening day roster bullpen with me? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, Kyle Finnegan. Hunter Harvey. Okay. Mason Solid. Thompson. Happy with that. Carl Edwards Jr. Okay. Thad Ward, which, you know, you remember Rule 5 Draft had to be there. Uh, or mm -hmm. else he got sent back. Uh, Anthony Banda. Erasmo Ramirez. And Hobie Harris. Is that from last year, or is that from this year? That's 2023. Okay. I mean, last year, that, what, do you, what do you mean? This. What? Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> you're confusing me. Yeah, um, no, that's the 2023 opening day bullpen. Okay. Uh, that's a lot less fun than what we just went through in, in our little brains. Yeah. Um. I I think we've upgraded. I think we absolutely have upgraded. I still wouldn't mind seeing Mason Thompson. Uh, hmm? I still wouldn't mind seeing Mason Thompson in the bullpen. Yeah, I know me a lot neither. of people are out of Mason, on Mason Thompson. I I think Mason Thompson can be really good still, but he was he was good. And then he, like, kind of threw out his arm halfway through the season. And then he got it back at the end. Well, I, I, uh, I think we're better on the over-usage. Uh, like, I think that's – they're safe from that. We're safer than they were last year. You know, I mean, like, you can 
I think there's a clear A and a B tier to this bullpen uh, last year. Mm-hmm. I think that oh, line yeah. is a little bit fuzzier with this 2023 or the 2024 projected bullpen. I mean, obviously, there's that A and the, the B still. Uh, but I'm more content with that B bullpen than I was last year. That is a good major league bullpen. The projected 2024. I think that's it. Doesn't have it. Doesn't have an elite closer, right? Yeah. And that's a huge piece that they're missing. But it's a good bullpen, like. I don't know. I think I think just about just about everyone in that bullpen is solid. You know, there there's no one. There's no one in that bullpen that you're like that's the guy. That's the elite guy. But it's a solid bullpen and you throw like all of those guys would be seventh or most of those guys would be like seventh inning guys on a lot of teams, you know? Yeah. That's a pretty that's a pretty good bullpen situation to be in, you know? I I think here we go. The Nationals have an entire bullpen of major league caliber pitchers this year. That's huge. They haven't had that since um I don't know, forever. I was going to say 2012, but they had some guys at the bottom in 2012 that mm. Matt Grace. I don't think he was there in 2012, but. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no. The, I cannot remember the last time that is a sentence that could be said about the Nationals. Uh, yeah, I I think, yeah. I think all these guys are major league quality relievers. Now, are they great major league relievers? Not all of them. They're all they're all major leaguers. In in the sense that that they are uh, you know above replacement level relievers. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. It's a good bullpen. Like I said, it's a good bullpen. It's a top half of the league bullpen, probably. I think so. I feel pretty confident. No? Okay. Whatever. I, I'll stick uh, by it. Listen, Jeremy, they were really bad last year. I think a lot I of know these they guys, were really bad last year. A lot of these guys, like, I think a lot of that was over workage issues, over usage, uh, poor workload management. Those are the fancy terms for it. Uh, they, they were still one of the worst bullpens in the major leagues. Uh, I, you have a lot and of I'm returning well aware faces. Of that, uh, they have a lot of returning faces. I wouldn't say they're top five or top half, but they'll be around I think top there. Fifteen. I think, I think top fifteen is 15, very attainable. I think around fifteen. I think around fifteen is very attainable. <laughs> I think top fifteen is a bit of a stretch, but you know, <laughs> I also you know I have a hot take today. You have a hot take today. We both have you know we, we even it out. <laughs> uh, you want to yeah. talk about the uh, oh yeah no that's exactly what I was doing 
Oh, we were both we were both <laughs> segueing to the same thing, uh, which is the spring breakout. Uh, it was announced uh, in you know Baseball America uh, by JJ Cooper and uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN. They both uh, broke this like at the same time. Uh, the Nationals and every other team in Major League Baseball uh, will have a team of their top prospects play against another team of top prospects. Uh, sometime between March 17th and 20th uh, during spring training. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. It brings a lot of attention. You know, as baseball fans, I mean, you don't really see these other teams' prospects. I mean, as a baseball fan, you don't often see your own prospects, you know? Um, and this is something that I know it's the spring training, but you see – you see these guys, your all your top prospects go against all the other teams' top prospects. I love that idea. Um, now, if there's a way to make it actually matter, I think that'd be super cool. Uh, it's spring training. No? I don't want it to matter. No. I know. I know it's spring training. That's why I'm saying it'd be cool if they made it matter. Now, I, I think I think as an expedition, this is great. Uh, I hate the futures game. It's a hot take of mine. I don't like it. I think it's just—it's just all star games in general. It's not. Yeah, it's just all star games, real. and it's—I'm—I was very worried because Jeff Passan, normally a very good writer, uh, when you read his—I don't know if you've read his report. Maybe he's updated it. I had no clue what was going on. Like I thought it was <laughs> a futures game team against like. Other just random futures game teams, or it was like, it was just a, it, it made no sense. Uh, but the JJ Cooper did a good job explaining it. Uh, I I think this is really fun. I, I'm excited to see how this goes. Yeah, no, it's a like, it's a really good opportunity for these prospects, uh, and for and to just get name recognition out there, you know. Yeah, I mean it's like you, it's good like for them. It's good for good for minor league baseball, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like you were saying, like a lot of people don't. I mean like they know the name Brady House. They've you know maybe seen some clips of Brady House. They haven't watched Brady House. You know, just field ground ball, like just a generic ground ball hit to him. You know, they might have seen the highlight real play, but they they don't see like the the minutia of these players playing. Uh, and I think that's going to be the best thing for this. Uh, and I think it's really good for the sport. Uh, so I'm very excited for, for this. Yeah, no, this should be good. I mean, there's lots of ways that this can go wrong. But there's also lots of ways that this can go right. And what I mean by it'd be cool if it meant something is that would get more eyes. You know, a lot of baseball fans don't watch spring training at all, you know? I think this uh, is enough to get people to watch the games. Right. You would hope so. But if it isn't, you know, adding some kind of incentive. It doesn't have to be anything huge, but, like, just something. I don't know. We'll see how it goes the first season, but the first, yeah, first one. But. I, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I think the one, like, uh, you know, to be, like, you know, the devil's advocate – in this situation, uh, 
you know, it's it's a spring training showcase. These guys are getting ramped up to like play a major league or a minor league season. Uh, maybe having them, you know, because that's kind of right in the middle of spring training. Uh, when it comes to getting ramped up, uh, I mean, I guess it's close to the tail end of it, but you know, do we want guys going a hundred percent when they're not, you know, ready in a game that doesn't necessarily matter? Like, I, yeah, I mean, obviously you want them to try and I think, I think they're going to try, but it's, you know, as soon as a top prospect tears their UCL, from this game, like we're gonna have, there's people are gonna be screaming uh, about like, oh, this right, is and the that's worst idea that's ever. and that's that's, that's the, a lot of bad that could happen, you know. Yeah. And I think like an injury happens on this first round of games. Mm-mm. Well, that's I think that's I I don't think necessarily that because I think they're handling it the right way. Uh, I mean, you're not seeing people say winter ball is terrible because the Mets. Uh, their shortstop prospect slash second base prospect, Ronnie Mauricio, I believe, right? Or am I getting him confused with the Giants guy? Uh, <laughs> they're, one's Ronnie Mauricio and the other one's Marco Luciano. And I mm-hmm. get them mixed up in my brain. Because... Uh, yeah. Ronnie Mauricio uh, towards ACL in uh, Dominican winter ball. Then he was supposed to be like the the Mets opening day second baseman. Oh no, man! People just don't know about winter ball, and they don't know about that guy that much. But you remember what happened in the World Baseball Classic when Edwin Diaz went down? Or Jose Altuve? People were calling an end for MLB players to go to the World Baseball Classic, which is an established thing, you know. This is a first-year kind of a trial basis, honestly, of this. If some major prospect goes down, I don't know if there'll be another one, straight yeah. up. Because, I mean, the World Baseball Classic isn't going anywhere. These players are going to keep playing in the World Baseball Classic. They're going to keep doing these things. But, you know, what if that was the first-ever World Baseball Classic, you know? And something like that happened. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand. Uh, but I I don't – I think with the way they have it set up, I think it's like no matter what the fan outrage is, I don't think like front offices – I think all the front offices understand, you know, and all the owners understand uh, that, you know, further incentivizing it would lead to those injuries rather than prevent – and this is the more preventable injury way of doing it. But it's still really good for the game. Yeah, absolutely. Excited for that. So, excuse me. Your excuse. Um, but yeah. Uh, unless there was anything else, Hayden. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into this episode of In the Clubhouse with the Nats Report. We have been your hosts, Jeremy Lapidus and Hayden Raymer. Thank you so much. We will see you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.